Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 159th episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and Audio Technica. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bits. And on today's episode, we have a menu chock full of gaming goodness. We'll be talking Steve Solitude, the Nintendo Switch Lite, Meta Medan, mobile gaming, Facebook and VR, plus lots more. Now, before we kick things off, I need to introduce my two esteemed co-hosts. They are both allegedly in the running to star as Boy George in his upcoming biopic. You can find them at Miss Ali Hart and at Salim TD collectively. Miss Ali Hart, Salim the Dream, welcome back to the Hungry HQ. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I am mm. battling the man flu for what feels like the 25th time this year. Mm. Um, I'm doing okay, but my voice is a bit raspy and... Apologies in advance, listeners, if you do hear me coughing up phlegm or just coughing in general, I'll do my best to edit that out. But just a heads up, the man is sick. You're going to get that ASMR quality. Oh, yeah. Nothing like Ooh, a loogie yeah. in the back of the throat, guys. I thought about <laughs> doing it right then on the microphone just to sort of set the tone early, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to be like that. No. I'm going to respect our listeners' ears and stomachs. We're just going to talk about gaming. Dream, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm super good. We missed you last week. I missed you. I missed you. I missed you. I missed Ali. Huh. I missed my microphone. I missed the audience. I missed the listeners. So much so. <laughs> Just got to give you a little hat tip that uh, to you for debuting the first episode of sort of our little fun size series. Thank you very um, much. Our sort of episode after the episode, as you would, uh, 158.5. Uh, you were on fire for about 15 minutes straight there. It was beautiful. Thank you very much, my good friend. Um, it turns out if you just talk to yourself long enough, you <laughs> end up just talking absolute nonsense. I really hope the Winter Fest goes well this weekend, the Winter mm-hmm. Festival that they have going on in uh, Canberra. No, where is it? Canberra? I don't know. There was one in Canberra and it would be very cold around, down there right now. It so uh, rug up Canberrans. Rolling around in all of that like metal as well. Fun, fun fact... They they wear a lot of like linen and wool under metal when they went into battle in the medieval times uh, in very cold areas. So hopefully our Canberran friends take that one, keep that, take that to the bank, get money out and go and buy some wool shit to put under your metal. And then after this winter fest, head on over to Kingsley's Chicken, get yourself a uh, Philip Berg with gravy and coleslaw and uh, the best crinkle cut chips and gravy in the land. That's my PSA. That's your, all right, cool, cool, cool. We're going to talk about it again this week because it's actually this weekend. So I'll be sure to mention Kingsley's Chicken or, or what is it? Kingsley's Chicken? Kingsley's Chicken. Mm-hmm. You could mention Chicken Gourmet as well. There is quite the amount of chicken uh, delicacies down in the nation's capital. So I'll give you a long list if you like. As well as porn and fireworks. Mm, yes. Yes. Can confirm. <laughs> I know the good locations for both of those as well. So uh, let's see what the next uh, fun size episode brings. But I wanted to uh, ask yourselves this as far as our quick question this week. This, as we've seen this past week, Nintendo have announced the new Nintendo Switch Lite. 
I wanted to get your feelings on the new stripped back Switch console. Give me, give me some hot takes. And then we're going to jump to a couple of our uh, listeners and friends' opinions that we've sort of grabbed from our Discord chats as well. Mm. Uh, like, I'm seeing very consistent um, opinions that match with mine, which I kind of established last week, which was, um, although I, my Switch console is always on portable, I never really dock the thing, but <laughs> size is important. And um, <laughs> that screen is smaller. Um so my old ass eyes need a bigger screen. Um, so I don't really see the benefit for me. So I'm happy with my Switch. I don't think I'm going to buy an additional Switch Lite. Um, mm-hmm. But I see the positive in it. I do see the positive in it for like people with like young kids and stuff. What about you, Dreamer? Yeah, I, um, I agree that I think it's positive for young kids. I think that this is actually a reasonably priced um console at 330 bucks with the guts of the nintendo switch in it um what you're sacrificing is you're losing an inch on the screen and uh the detachable controllers and also the docking so i can see that that's not necessarily um you know great i think what makes the switch so so good is that it is versatile and it can be a handheld but that's totally optional 330 bucks for a handheld console isn't completely outrageous when you consider how much uh, a Nintendo uh, 3DS costs right up until the launch of the Nintendo Switch and even shortly after. And those pricks sold the charges separately for those things. It didn't come in the box. Um, so I think when you round up, it's still not too bad. I love the color. I do like the colors that these little things have come out in. The yellow is my favorite. Um, you like the yellow? I like, I the, turquoise. like the yellow. I like, mm. the, I like the turquoise too, though. Don't get me wrong. I think that they're really, really cool. Um, but I think if you're going to buy a switch, you might as well just go the whole way and buy a switch rather than, uh, a, a slightly cheaper imitation of it. Unless you're a parent and you don't want your kid to be taking up all that precious TV time. <laughs> That's true. Actually. Yeah. Like it's, it's interesting. Like sort of looking into some of our discord back and forth, there is very similar notes. Like the consistencies I'm seeing here is, too small and overpriced, which is um, our boy Benny feels that way. I, I mirror that statement. So does Jono, where the, the full-size uh, switch sorry, goes for around 399 and this is at 329 I don't think there's a big enough gap to the justify. Switch, the switch <clears throat> is 450 uh, it, It'll be 399 soon enough. You wait. But either uh, way. Uh, not, until, not until, I don't think for a while. At We're least only until dealing with facts here. Yeah. I'm, I, I live in the hypothetical realm, all right? But um, I just think... I feel I like think you're just the, misrepresenting Nintendo. Sorry to railroad you. I, I just think that for the for the functionalities you're losing, like the fact that you can't dock this thing, fair enough. Okay, they want to make this solely uh, focused on the, the portability and the handheld aspect. But then the lack of detachable Joy-Con, so you can't even do like local two-player on this thing standalone. I think it really hamstrings some of the beauty of, of the Switch. Like... Remember way back when, when we were playing this thing at RTX Sydney many, many moons ago and the joys of doing local battles with the little mini Joy-Cons in your hands with friends, whether it be two-player, three-player, or four-player. I think that was like one of the most beautiful things about this console and to strip it back in that regard, it's like, mm, it's, I don't know, it sort of misses the mark for me, but like looking at what some of the other guys here, like Cruzy said he'd buy one for, for his little guy, which is mm. I think where this console is certainly trying to position itself towards where as you said dream it's it's the 3ds replacement 
it's aimed at that younger target market where you don't have to worry about Joy-Cons detaching and potentially getting damaged. Uh, yeah, you've still got the TV to watch your sport and whatever else while your kids can play this on the on the couch or the bedroom. But yeah, the, the lack of docking is a bit strange uh, to me. The, the individual play is great, but yeah, the multiplayer aspect getting hamstring like... Uh, Jamie, who is at JDP card 18, uh, he's, he sort of highlighted pretty well. The form factor is really good. Uh, not being able to dock is a shame as this was the whole point of the original switch. The original switch, uh, should be heavily discounted here in Australia. Hence my thought process of jumping the gun at 399. But yeah, if you wanted to multiplayer, you're going to have to buy, uh, some other console, uh, other, other controllers or go the separate switch route. So it's, um, it's interesting. It's, it's sort of dividing the audience i think if you got kids happy days this will be great good for car trips like uh till house has said um his kid will love it for car trips i'll love it for bumming around on the couch or on plane trips and i've still got the og switch that i will use for docking all in all i think it's great however the introductory price point is a bit steep all things considered mm. so um yeah it's, it's a niche i think targeted at kids it's still going to sell like bonkers like it's yeah. coming out perfectly in time for when pokemon sword and shield drop with its yep. own limited edition sword and shield skinned version which, which looks good. really nice mind yeah. you but um yeah i don't know i don't know like i like it and i like the colorway but i don't think i'm rushing out to buy one at launch i'm very curious how they're going to um, fix marketing because a friend of mine brought this up where a lot of the games demonstrate detachable joy cons um, and and un, like an unfamiliar parent might you know buy their child the game and stuff and then see that they're instructing people to detach the things that are on the side. Um, so I lo- I look forward to seeing some disasters that might come from that. Um, you know everyone's probably like, come on, people aren't that stupid, but hey, they could be. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> they possib- could be that stupid. They could be. The possibilities are endless, mm. but. Yeah, I I feel sorry for a lot of retailers as well with the um me going back to when I used to work at a retailer that sold gaming consoles specifically the DSs having multi like col- different colored options and then having the right one in stock and everything. Oh, my heart's out to all you retailers. All I don't those know much of a pain. Oh, it's a pain in the butt. We don't have the mm. we don't have the turquoise one or the yellow one, but we have the other one. I don't want that one. Well, bully. So Good luck with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Like comes out in um in sort of September. What date in September? The twentieth, if I recall, which is around bang on the money with uh Pokemon Sword and Shield. So they're gonna move these units like there's no tomorrow, that's for sure. And it's probably gonna be one of the biggest sellers for the Christmas market, I think. Like Rach and I even sort of talked about maybe upgrading Archer from his DS to a switch for Christmas. And this thing is priced Reasonably well, I think it should be a little bit cheaper for what you lose, but yeah, it's it's a good segue into more serious gaming from a from a DS perspective. So uh, we'll see what happens. Mm. So I ask you this now: What have you guys been playing, doing, seeing, eating, drinking? What's been happening this past week? Tell me the things. Dream, maybe you lead us off because it's been a hot minute since we've had a uh, had you here chatting the video games. Yeah, uh, sure. What was I playing? What did I play last night? I played. I was playing all tactics games. Yes. Games. Yes, and you're still doing a bit of that. I see. Well, guess what? <laughs> yeah. Um, this wasn't. I'm, I'm certainly not trying to keep a theme alive, but uh, I do love. I just love strategy games. I love tactics games. So I ended up picking up XCOM 2 while it was on sale on Steam in the last week. 
And um, I haven't actually put too much time into XCOM 2. Um, partly because my initial impressions aren't amazing, but I feel like I've done that to myself more than the game has done that to me. Um, so XCOM 2 came out in 2016, developed by Firaxis Games and Feral Interactive. It's a server-based tactical RPG, as you probably would have guessed from the intro there. Um, I've got it on PC. My early impressions are basically, it, it seems cool. Um, it's, it's, this, it's this interesting story. I imagine it takes place immediately after XCOM 1. The aliens have invaded Earth, they've taken over, and you're part of a sort of resistance movement to fight them off and, and reclaim the planet. Now, uh, it is a cool little sci-fi world. Um, you yourself play a commander. Um, you're, an, you're an actual character and it's, you're, you're sort of set up and presented in a way um, similar to like what Master Chief set up as in, uh, in, in the Halo games where it's you just seeing out of the perspective of the character of the commander and everyone's just talking to you as though you're that person. You, you basically are just guiding the armies around. It's a tactics game. So like I probably described two weeks ago, if you're not familiar, you're moving pieces around a, a, a map and your goal is basically to eliminate the other pieces. I found this game so difficult. I, I stupidly, with like hubris, the stupid hubris that is in my heart, thinking that I can take on any challenge. No mountain is too high for me. Um, <laughs> that I could take this game on on its like its second hardest setting. And it took me an hour and a half to clear the first map. The first map being probably a 20-minute map. It was just fucking tough and when i did clear it i lost three of my four guys permadeath done gone Oof. so i had to go back to the drawing board and recruit a few newbies not like a big loss at the start because they're obviously not too powerful at the moment but i was like i was getting attached to them i had two australians in the squad it Ima was, um, imagine that happening like via 10 missions deep or something where they're leveled up and they've become part of yeah. your core core platoon and then oh, see yeah. you later oh yeah exactly exactly um, so I, I think I need to swallow my pride a bit and go back in and play it at a slightly easier setting. Um, the, the one thing that gets my goat every time I have played this game is that there's an accuracy rating. So these players, these characters, because the terrain you're playing in, it's just, you know, it's all sorts of shit. A lot of the time you're in some kind of cityscape. And so there's cars, there's buildings, there's places to hide behind and cover is a very big thing. But sometimes you're standing like five feet away from the guy and your gun, you, you're holding a gun and you'll you get your guy to shoot. Accuracy is like 76%, it will tell you. And then it will miss in basic, in like maybe the most comical way possible where you could <laughs> not be not aiming harder if you tried. Like your character will almost like turn the gun to the complete, like three people to the left and fire. And it just, it fucking gets me. Every time I see it, I just want to throw my PC into the monitor and yell something. I don't know. I it, it shits me. It's just, it's kind of annoying, but it, some positives, it, it does play quite well for, for, for the other mechanics. Like the cover thing's really cool. Um, hiding behind uh, various terrain. You, you, you can either be half cover or full cover. There's an ambush mechanic in there too. So that if all of your characters are completely hidden, um, you get bonuses to your attack on the enemy. You can set up different 
uh, stances so that, for instance, if you decide not to take a, like an action with your character, you can set it to, I think it's called Watcher. Um, and basically, as soon as you see an enemy unit, that unit will fire. So it allows some interaction during your opponent's turn as well. I, I really need to put more time into this game. I need to give it a fair chance. But at the moment, like somewhere between the difficulty setting and that accuracy thing. And also, I'm not going to lie, like I'm not a sci-fi guy. It's hard for me to get into like sci-fi games and fucking post-apocalypse games. Like I, those are my two least favorite settings for a story. I, I just, I, yeah, it just doesn't really, I don't know. It doesn't move the dial for me so much. So I will give it more of a, more of a chance. I'll talk a bit more about it next week. And then it will, it will go to the back of the Steam library where it will stay for a very, very, very long time. You know what's funny? Back of the line. I'm very familiar with this game because I don't know how many times I've been sent a picture where a friend has played it and then said, oh, I made you a soldier in my game. I'm like, what? <laughs> so you can apparently customize totally your soldiers. Yeah, put yeah. names to them and everything like that. So Yeah, it rolls a bunch of traits and it will give you a bunch of traits starting off. So they're fully formed characters on their own. They're not like characters that interact in the story, but just you no. know, soldiers. Yeah. But yeah, you change everything, their name, their nationality, their their um, their voice option. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, the Australian voice option sounds exactly like what an American thinks an Australian's voice sounds like in, oh, the, in, in, in the 90s. Oh, no. Like, Yeah. So, Suck on that can of Foster's, you alien dog. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Put another shrimp much. on that, Barbie. I'm just going to take my jacket off because I feel like I've been rustling like crazy. Sorry. Well, I just want to let everyone know that my most common character or position that I've held has been a sniper. So I'm, right. I'm going to put that in the back of my mind in case of an alien invasion. Well, I'm yeah. going to put that in the back of my XCOM formation, Ali. You can be the oh, sniper. Thank you. That's all right. You're welcome. <laughs> um, uh, the other game I've been playing the other game I have a lot more positive things to say as well um, about is Path of Exile which oh, holy moly so this is not a new game came out in 2013 developed by Grinding Gear, Gear Games um, it's it's a action role playing sort of hack and slash this game resembles Diablo 2 more than Diablo 3 does without a fucking doubt and I loved Diablo 2 it's one of the touchstones for me when I think about gaming throughout my lifetime um, I have so many fond memories playing that game with friends and I there's so much I really enjoyed about Diablo 2 and so when I picked up Path of Exile and I've heard this before as well that Path of Exile is almost like a true successor to the Diablo 2 game uh, I I was actually just blown away it, it it's almost like Diablo 2 updated and improved so many it's mechanics cool. are the same. It, it's crazy, dude. But so many mechanics are the same. Um, the world, the setting, the tone of the world is similar. It's super dark fantasy. What class did you did you roll? Um, I rolled a witch, which okay is is a really cool class. I've been reading a little bit about the different classes. Apparently, the witch is a little bit easier compared to some of the other classes, which I believe because I'm I'm having you know a nice easy old time getting through the maps. Um, but I'm level 25, so I'm I'm putting in the I'm putting in the work here. Um, it's it's just really cool. I'm on Act Two at the moment. Um, like I just, it's hard to describe it without referring to Diablo Two. 
um, some of the things that are a little bit different to Diablo 2. So if you just imagine Diablo 2 and then these things are different. The skills in the game, the abilities are tied to gems, which are socketed into your equipment. So um, if you think about Final Fantasy 7 and the materia system, it works exactly the same way. You upgrade your abilities um, that are stored in these gems, and then you equip these gems to your equipment so that your character can actually use them. You don't unlock them on a skill tree the way you would in traditional role-playing games. Um, the other thing that just kind of blows my mind in this game is, is the passive skill tree. So in addition to those gems, there is still a passive skill tree where you're unlocking passive abilities to increase your stats or to give yourself other perks and buffs. And this thing is huge. Huge. 1325 you just googled that yeah i just saw it just then i'm like holy shit i was just gonna say yeah. 1325 that's what i was gonna say thanks brennan um no uh it's it and that's like not to name me a character in xcom 2 you bastard oh I'll, I'll uh i'll i'll make you my cannon fodder bitch i was um, one of them ones that died in act one i'm dead already i was in act one i'm i'm, I'm cooked <laughs> um so not to like throw another Final Fantasy reference in there, but if you imagine if you played Final Fantasy X, the sphere grid map, oh, yeah. it, it's basically the same thing. It, it's presented the same way. You don't need to have um, like specific orbs to unlock things. It's just every level you get to move around on the map one more. But it's it's just so much fun. And I, I'm having so much fun playing the witch. This witch character, um, the class, I've got like a lot of AOE debuffs and damage over time abilities that I just use. I'm running around basically. I'll drop this little AOE thing. Everything starts to slowly die and I'll just be like running in a circle. Just, just running in a circle everything around. around. Just, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, Are you playing on PC? I am, yeah. I'm playing on Steam. It's also on PlayStation and Xbox. It's also on Mac and Linux, believe it or not. Um, Linux. Linux, yeah. <laughs> if they don't have Apple, tell them we use PC. And if they have PC, tell them we use Linux. And if they have that too, tell them the systems are down. Dave Chappelle, Chappelle Show. One of the best skits ever about um, IT. cut and copy or some shit. Cup, some copy joint plays. Anyway, um, I love this game. And Ali, I really want you to play this game because you love Diablo 3. And I'm not trying to take away from Diablo 3 or say this is better or worse. I just think that this game resembles Diablo 2 so much that if there's anything in that game that you love, then you should play this game because I think you will really enjoy it too. Yeah, I, your messaging during the week has um, maybe slightly convinced me. Ooh. But um, I'll have to have a little bit more of a look at it because I didn't mind Diablo, like the most recent Diablo game. Like, well, well you've got three. that on every, every platform. <laughs> you too. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I don't mind the most recent Diablo game is maybe the understatement of the year. If you have it four times on four consoles or whatever the stat is for you. Yeah. Xbox, uh, PC and Switch. I think three. it's the numbers. Um, what was I going to say? Sorry. Diablo three, Diablo three is very different to Diablo two though in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Whereas this is almost like it's like an expansion of Diablo two. Yeah, like it's I said, really, I'll have a look at really it. It's really uncanny. I'll, I will have a look at it. Um, I've got so many games to play, you know. So. Let me hit you with a couple of one last little thing about it. Mm. Totally free to play. Microtransactions, sure, but totally free to play. 
I don't appreciate that that's a winning point to win me over, suggesting that I am some kind of tight ass. You're right, but still. No, no, no. It's <laughs> it's 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 almost like it's um you're not investing anything into it, so you can kind of go in and get a freebie out of this game. If I you know, like it, that's time. great. If you don't, you didn't spend any money. Yeah, but I feel like you'll know pretty quickly. You'll know early on if you like it or not. No. Yeah. We'll see. All right, we will Allie. see. Okay, Ali. You're going to play it. You're going to talk about it next week. Talk about it. Anyway, that's me. That's what I played this week. Um, Brendan, what did you do, buddy? Uh, I've been uh, roaming around uh, the Elder Scrolls Online universe some more. Uh, similar to you with uh, Path of Exile, uh, we've just uh, crossed the level 25 threshold in, um, in ESO. What's the level cap with elsewhere? Uh, it's it's ridiculous now. Like it used to go to sort of like champion ranks, like you'd get to say level sixty, and then you could reset and be oh veteran ranks, sorry, not champion ranks, and you could sort of cycle that through. But now, oh wow, I think they've gone away with that because I see dudes rolling around at like level eight hundred and ten. Like yeah, okay, it it is bananas. I don't know how the leveling system works for end game and and those types of numbers if it's based off like a gear score or something, but. There is quite the uh, disparity between the low levels and then these guys in the several hundreds. But finished the the mainline Elsewhere DLC uh, that came out the past couple of weeks. So the one that reintroduced dragons and brought out the Necromancer class. So finished the mainline story in that. Really, really good. Uh, my little my little Nightblade is uh, getting there. Still, still a bit of a glass cannon. Obviously playing as sort of that rogue class. Um, and then Rach is sort of a DPS Templar. So we don't really have much tanking uh, with the current builds we got. So it is very high risk, high reward. And, and we accidentally rolled into a couple of public instances and dungeons this week. And uh, trying to two-man that uh, with no tank or no healer uh, led to some pretty spicy exchanges. Uh, I had a couple <laughs> of sort of, you know, um, bleed abilities where I could sort of uh, siphon health from enemies. But... Yeah, once my stam dropped, I was fucked. Like, I was running around. Similar to what you were saying, I was running around, like, kiting these enemies, but just trying to survive, not to, you know, get them into a trap. I was just running around like there was no tomorrow. So, uh, really enjoying it, though. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying getting back into an MMO. And then the other game that we talked about last week is I did a singular sitting of Sea of Solitude last Sunday. So, booted up. Took me about four hours to finish from front to back. It's the new game uh, released through Jome Games and then published via EA as part of their sort of, um, you know, indie-based focus, like when they released Fae and a few other games uh, through this sort of, uh, you know, indie indie program that they have. And, and my goodness, this game, it hits you. Like, it it is quite an emotional journey. Like, it's only, as I said, it's only four hours or so, give or take. can be a bit longer depending on if you wanted to sort of explore off the beaten track. But playing is this... Um, this young woman named Kay waking up in this sort of, um, you know, sinking or submerged city with all these giant monsters facing you um, at every turn. It's it's pretty intense. Like the control structure is pretty simple. You, you're running around, you've got a jump button and you've got a button that can sort of ignite a flare and that flare can act as uh, a guide. Like it'll sort of head towards the direction of, of your next sort of main focal point on the level. There's 11 chapters to go through or it can be used to keep a lot of the enemies because it is very much a play on dark and light very very sort of heavily emphasized in that mental health space um mm. so using the light to to get rid of these enemies in the darkness and things like that and then you've got a backpack 
on your back where you are trying to take away the corrupted in this in this sort of uh, Berlin-esque world. And then I guess that's a nice metaphor where you're carrying all this sort of um, you know mental anguish on your back in this backpack as you're carrying it through this world. Uh, it's very it's very multi-layered. Like it goes into bullying, relationship breakups, broken families, all this. So you're seeing various members of of your of your world portrayed as I guess their darker selves, like their emotional arcs or, or the poison in them, then's conveyed in this big giant black sea creature. Uh, that sort of haunts your way so it's it's pretty heavy like it's really heavy like there's a few parts where you're obviously on this journey of this this woman named Kay, but there's things in there that i think are probably just about everybody could relate to uh from at least once in their life that they've gone through whether it be a breakup whether it be um you know bullying at school whether it be family you know family and friend breakdowns things like that like it's it's pretty heavy and it's it's really well executed like some of the voice acting's a little bit on the nose, but that's probably the the only big like the only major gripe I've got with it. Like um, mm. Cornelia Geppert, who who's the creative director, she voices Kay, and her sort of German to English can get a little bit lost with sort of uh. some real touching moments. Like there's not a massive um, emotional delivery in some of the, the the scripting that she's reading out. So there's a few moments where I'm like, uh, it's a little bit, uh, but overall, it's really really well done. Really really enjoyed my time with it. Ali, you said you had a couple of questions last week when we were recording. Did you want to crack out a few of them or what do you um, reckon? Well, <laughs> my biggest concern was about how much um, interaction is it with the deep water because I have a thing about water <laughs> and under yeah. like creatures coming from a down from the, the water below yeah like i couldn't see if thieves was like too much for me like jumping in that water and being chased by a shark like ugh, gave me so much you've anxiety got, you've got yeah, some serious so, kaiju trauma mm. yeah yep mm. so so you've got like a little little sort of dinghy boat that you traverse the seas with but there is parts where you'll be on land uh, and you'll have to sort of jump in the water time it because there is these obviously circling dark sea creatures of doom that want to drag you down to the depths metaphorically and physically so you've got to really time these sort of short swims where you are in the open sea and then you've got to you know jump onto the next bit of bit of sort of uh, land or floating buildings so there is a few parts where you can get chomped up and taken under by this sort of this dark depression uh, metaphor so yeah there is there is some parts there you probably might get a little bit uneasy yeah see that's what's probably gonna be very difficult for me to play and like i said any game where it's like going into the depths of the ocean don't know why big fear of it couldn't even play subnautica for it yeah so it's it's really good like it's 30 bucks i think brand new or if you're you're part of sort of the the ea access based platforms you can get it substantially cheaper on there as well but yeah this ea originals program i think it's really it adds a lot of benefit to to budding indies that trying mm. to get that extra exposure and get that potential leg up. Like Joe May Studios, mm. they're a pretty small team, and to get to get the exposure and the publishing rights of, of EA behind them is, is going to really bode well for this. And it's reviewing really well. Like I think it's getting seven and a half to eight to eight and a half, depending on the outlet. So it's it's reviewing well. It it does hit some hit some nerves, as I said. Like it, it does sort of stir up the emotions. But overall, yeah. it's I really enjoyed my time with it, and, and sort of took a bit away from what they're trying to achieve here. I noticed that actually a lot of, um, especially with these like indie games that come out, um, there is a lot of focus on being like 
mentally challenging and draining. Like they definitely focus on stories that um, are very heavy. And I feel like those are the ones that usually have quite the impact because they are hitting a nerve with like whoever plays with it. Like, yeah, like, like the most recent ones that at least I've played through, obviously I, I mentioned Hellblade last week. And the other one that oh. sort of came to mind when I was playing, this is sort of that dragon cancer. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. They, they were the two games I, I sort of felt most similar to during my experience of this, where you're not obviously not doing a huge amount in this world. You're just sort of uh, platforming a little bit, shooting off your flare. And that's sort of the, the, the main sort of complexities of the game itself. But yeah, the, the story is, is where you're going to take a lot away from it. And, and yeah, it hits home. It definitely like, hits home. Even um, Observation that I played, like that really challenged you, like especially with the feeling of like isolation and then trust and, you know, so and just confined spaces. Like I, I definitely think that had a massive impact on, I guess, the enjoyment the interactive nature of that game. So I just think it's pretty interesting that um, these indie games, these, um, you know, small developers are able to get that feeling across. Yeah, for sure. So it's a testament to everyone at Joe May Games uh, and, and nice work with EA with their EA Originals offering. But that's me this week. What about you, Miss Hart? What you been doing? Okay, so um, I was lucky enough. Um, Devolver Digital got me a copy of The Messenger, which is a... Um, action platform video game they're actually releasing a free dlc called uh picnic panic so if you already own the messenger then that free dlc should be available for you i believe on the switch i'm not too sure because it's recently been um, dropped on the playstation as well i think this year in march so the developer is uh sabotage studios but devolver digital is doing the publishing and this game is lots of fun um it's inspired by um ninja gaiden series um and mm. <laughs> and um it's just it's very self-aware so what i always love in a game is when they kind of not make fun of but like kind of take little jabs so even when you go into like the little shopkeep like even he's like very aware and you know making comments and you find like specific relics and you're like what was that and it's like oh the thing that you just smashed without even you know checking yeah that's probably some powerful thing that you need so I, I love how aware and all the little tongue-in-cheek comments that are in this game but um the other cool thing is that it actually separates from the past into like 8-bit quality graphics and then turns to the future of 16-bit graphics and the music nice. changes as well so um and in regards to gameplay I actually found the perfect amount of challenging i I'm, I'm slowly trying to get into these platform games that um like i also want to try hollow knight that everyone kind of raves about so i'm trying to get into these games they're not my type of game but as i'm using the switch more i'm finding that these are the most suitable games to play on the switch so the messenger is absolutely perfect i'm really really enjoying it um it's like i said the difficulty level is pretty decent um i don't think you can actually change it i don't think it has that option but um it does have also a little nod to people who either want to collect you know all the gems or if you're more of a person that likes to find secret areas as well and um there's also just like a leveling skill tree as well in there so you can put your uh, gems towards that so the music and the soundtrack on this is pretty tight it is. That's it's absolutely- that's. I've I've heard a few tracks on on through YouTube views and, and reviews I've seen on it, and it's it's got a nice crunchy sort of soundtrack that fits the pacing really well. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, it's 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 another one that's it's won a bucket load of awards when it came out, and it's mm-hmm. really well reviewed and really really well received. So it's something that's been on my radar for a while, but I haven't yeah. haven't really jumped in because I'm I'm sort of similar to you. Like I don't mind the action platform genre, but yeah, I, I just don't really give it enough time. And, yeah, and it's and something I know I need to do. That's the and that's the thing is that I definitely believe that there's like a group of people where this is definitely their thing. Um, for me. To say that I have to kind of push myself into playing these games is a discredit to actually how good they are. It's just not my type of thing. I am finding mm. myself slowly, slowly, slowly getting to a custom and enjoying them and seeing what the enjoyment level is. The only problem is, is that I guess let's just call it childhood trauma from the whole fact of you dying and having to either go back to the start or to the last save point is destroying me. I've experienced mm-hmm. it with Cuphead. <laughs> I have now experienced it with this game. And um, yeah, I, I have like a low threshold when it comes to patience when it comes to that. So, um, but this one's kept me playing. I don't know. I don't know what the element is that keeps me playing when I have to deal with that, but this one has actually kept me playing. So Mm. consider that as a good review and I'm looking forward to continuing on and then jumping on to the new um, free DLC. Which is pretty cool because this was the first game that Sabotage Studio released. So um, it's it's a testament to them to to sort of stick the landing on their debut their debut uh, game release and uh, yeah I'll, I'll have to give it a look on the Switch I think it would be perfect maybe on a Switch Lite in September who knows mm, well, yeah so uh, it actually released end of last year August I believe end of last year on the Switch so I think this is also a good way for um, a developer to um, breathe life back into their title even if it is offering free DLC um, it can you know put you back in the put you back in the charts and get you relevant as well so you can get new new players especially in a bit of a a damp area, I guess, when it comes to Nintendo titles, Nintendo Switch titles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. I also got to play uh, Red Dead Redemption um, online poker since everyone else <laughs> decided to play it without me. Um, no, it sucks for you know time difference, but I get it. I get why it's fun. I actually had a lot of beginner's luck. Um, I still don't know how to play poker, but I won several rounds. So, nice. um yeah, that's a positive. And I completely forgot how awesome the Red Dead Redemption 2 um, landscape is. Like how, just how amazing it is and how like vast it is. Because um, I jumped on a train and just like rode the train across all the different landscapes and was just sitting there admiring it. I'm like, I feel like this like online game should be just a little bit more. Oh, I have to get back into it. And um, I want to let everyone know that Senran Kagura did release a game um, uh, called Peach Ball. Was that is... on the Switch too, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you about this, Ali. I wanted to know I didn't if you it. it up. I didn't play it because, for, as far as I'm aware, is that you only get like selected um, pinball layouts. It's the girls that change. And although I'm sure that is a winning quality, I was kind of hoping you would get multiple like pinball like game mats and then interchange the girls in between but at this stage i'm not actually going to invest money into it because i think it's a bit expensive for what they're offering um so this Mm -hmm. is definitely going to be on the wish list kind of thing so in case anyone was curious okay (laughs) because i know you all were i was curious i wanted to know i i still haven't played a senran kagura game you're supposed to i feel like i should give it time be fun all right, a quick bit of housekeeping before we start moving into some news headlines. Uh, the Comedy Rewind is officially upon us. 
wanted to say a big thank you to all our Patreon members for your constant support because without you all, we wouldn't have been able to get this exciting new nostalgia-laden podcast off the ground. John O'Peck is going to be helming this bad boy and he's extremely excited to uh, debut an episode in the coming weeks. So uh, the Comedy Rewind is going to be in your ears imminently. But uh, for those that aren't supporting us, feel free to uh, dip into those pockets and throw a little bit of loose change our way. Patreon.com forward slash we are 8 bits to get you exclusive access to podcast, merch and swag you cannot find anywhere else in the world. But if you can't sort of support us financially, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe this podcast as well as all the other podcasts on the hashtag 8 Collective, because it helps keep those emotional lights on in our hearts. And speaking of reviews, iTunes review of the week. This one, another tasty five-star gem coming to us via way of Nobu of the game Sushi Podcast, which is a fantastic little Aussie outlet doing some really good stuff. Uh, regularly live streaming their podcast on Facebook. So be sure to check out the Game Sushi podcast on Facebook and uh, jump into one of their live streams of the podcast. They also do all the Let's Plays and just general streaming in general through there. Uh, So the podcast headline reads, not only a great podcast, but really approachable too. And the review itself reads, the one gaming podcast I look forward to listening to every week. Brendan, Ali, and Dream have great chemistry and are passionate about everything gaming and geek culture while both keeping it serious and funny at the same time. They are very approachable on both social media and on Discord, with Brendan even taking time to give me tips on how to better my podcast. I have much respect for them all being able to balance work life, real life, and all the while keeping the quality of their podcast to a high standard. Much love to you all from Nobu of Game Sushi Podcast. Thank you for the absolute emotionally tear-jerking perfect review it, it really warms the heart when we uh get stuff like this in our way and as i said nobu and, and game sushi they are doing some good work so be sure to take some time to hunt them down on facebook live or even hunt them down on your podcast platform of choice and get behind the content they're doing but what do you guys think of that review isn't it just perfect that's so lovely. Um, I, I'm glad that we actually do balance that uh, serious and fun side. And I always uh, hope that that comes across as I always feel like I'm the immature one. So thank you. I actually do appreciate that little nod. I think we're all pretty immature. <laughs> all three of us share the reins of our immaturity pretty well, I think. Uh, yes. T, the Hungry Gamer HQ is actually just in a gutter. You know. Yeah, beside a ball pit. <laughs> yeah. in, in three separate gutters in three gutters. separate locations <laughs> in the world. Yeah. <laughs> gutters worldwide <laughs> but that's yeah a lovely review either way thank you so much for taking the time for that yeah we do thank appreciate you. it. it's really yeah. sweet yeah those reviews as i said they they mean the world to us and also other podcasters out there so when you're done reviewing the hungry gamers be sure to review all those other podcasts you are listening to on the weekly because it helps it keeps us tracking keeps us relevant as i said keeps those emotional lights on in our hearts but let's jump into some news this week's news headlines and the first bit of news online co-op and local multiplayer modes announced for the dark pictures man of medan this comes via way of ian higton at eurogamer supermassive games has announced two new multiplayer modes for man of medan the first horror game from its upcoming dark pictures anthology players can still experience the game in solo mode similar to the way until dawn worked but those wishing to scream their way through the game with friends can do so online in shared story mode or on a sofa in movie night mode 
Shared story mode allows two players to experience the story side by side in online co-op with each player given control of a different character. And at certain points in the game, the story will branch off, giving each player a different perspective of the events. Movie night mode is a pass the pad local co-op mode for up to five players. At the start of each game, players assign themselves a character or multiple characters if fewer than five people are playing. And then the game will tell you when it's each person's go. At the end of each chapter, the game dishes out awards to each player to give them some fun reflections on how they played. Awards can range from something simple like who was the fastest on quick time events or who was the slowest at making decisions to something more sinister like did their actions get someone killed. Crossplay is not supported for Man of Medan multiplayer, so any shared story sessions will need to be platform specific. The Dark Pictures Anthology Man of Medan releases on 30th of August and Supermassive Games has said it's planning to release two games from the anthology per year. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm hyped as all hell for this. Until Dawn is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, the Inpatient, their their foray into VR was absolute dumpster fire. So I'm excited <laughs> to see if they can go back to the goodness of Until Dawn. And it sounds like they're going to try and capture some of that initial magic with Man and Medan. But being able to play online co-op or local five-player co-op, I think is fantastic. What do you guys reckon of this? I was actually very curious how this is going to work, but then after watching the video, the online co-op sounds amazing, and it also sounds great for Twitch streaming as well. So having like what you're doing and knowing that your friend or whoever on the other side is making their own decisions as well and just how that will impact you, it's very clever. I, I didn't expect them to actually bring a multiplayer element, but it's pretty smart. Mm. What about you, Dreamo? I have uh, not many horses in the race here for this game. Uh, I haven't played Until Dawn. I have had every like intention of playing Until Dawn, but I've, I've heard that it's better to do kind of local with some friends, and I just don't have any friends. Um, I This sounds cool. This sounds really cool, and it does sound like a lot like Until Dawn, or at least as far as I understand it. But I need to look at this a bit more, if I'm being honest. I would like to play it. And I think that it does sound like it would lend itself well to online multiplayer. Um, could you do online multiplayer in Until Dawn, Brendan? Brendan no, White? no, no. It was a, it was a single player experience. So right. this is their first foray into playing with two to five players. What had been suggested to me about Until Dawn is that every time the character switches, you hand the controller over to a friend. That's a good and way to do like, it. Because there is, what, eight... I think yeah. eight characters in Until Dawn, if I remember right. So right. there is some good experiences there you could have. And mm. yeah, and the idea is that you're all, even though it's single player, you're all experiencing your own version of the story yourselves. Um, for And it's it's a relatively short game as well, right? Yeah. 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 You, so you, you can, can clock it, it within um, four to five hours, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I really want to play. I think I think that's on sale separately at the moment. I might try yeah. and get that game just to see what's going on. Did you get it for that. free? Because it's been on the PS Plus deals several times. Yeah. So hopefully you were lucky enough to hit that download on it when it was free. But otherwise, I think you can get it on sale now for less than twenty bucks. Yeah, and dude, I I can't recommend it highly enough. Mm. Something else that I cannot recommend highly enough on the back of this uh, little tweet that snuck out. The Mortal Kombat movie reboot is R-rated and has fatalities. Yes! In a post on Twitter, Mortal Kombat screenwriter Greg Russo announced the news, reinforcing what other members of the film's team has been discussing online. In quotes, 
MK will be R-rated, Russo said. And for the first time ever, fatalities will finally be on the big screen. Finally! End quote. Finally! Why wouldn't you make this movie an R-rated movie? I would have been so angry if it wasn't. We have the ability, you know, to do R-rated movies now. Like, it's Mortal Kombat, so I am relieved. If if anyone can't tell, I'm actually really happy about this news. Yeah, well, like like surprisingly happy. Why? I've, well, okay, look, I do love the first like Mortal Kombat movie for all its cheesiness. But it will be nothing like that, though. You know, I'm that, not right? suggesting. I am not suggesting that it is. Yeah. What I'm now saying is like, I guess you know, when that came out, I was like some you know awkward teenager or whatever. So now I'm an adult and I actually want the gory movie because I know it's a possibility. I know the audience is out there. So I, it's more of a case of if they denied it, I'd be like, but why, why wouldn't you? It's, it's the whole, it's the whole theme. It's the whole thing about Mortal Kombat. It's, it's a the gory basis fucking of Mortal game. Kombat, yeah. Exactly. So why wouldn't you make a gory fucking movie? What mm. do you think the odds are that uh, Ronda Rousey is going to play Sonya Blade in this live action oh. remake or reboot? pretty high yeah i'd, I'd put it at <laughs> pretty like fucking high five to one yeah, she's been cast? doing anything lately is she nah she's off having kids allegedly so uh she's taken a step away from wwe and is trying to have a kid with um it's a partner's name travis travis brown the other mma fighter don't know dude don't know but yeah don't this is exciting it. and this this movie's getting shot in australia yeah, so it this is. is getting shot down in um in south australia so that's pretty exciting so the film will be upside down. <laughs> I get it a lot. But it's good. It's good that um, I'm noticing actually a lot of tweets that are coming from Australia talking about local governments actually putting more money into the film industry and all that within respective states. So obviously this is – South Australia has actually always been pretty much the first in front when it comes to putting money in entertainment and yeah. gaming really. So South Australia and Queensland, I think, are the two sort of leaders for, for our market as far uh, as investing into film and, and television. I think they just say I think they just talk about South Australia on their own there, Brendan. I don't know that anyone throws <laughs> Queensland in the conversation. I'll I'll pull up an article then, mate, because there is some big studios up here. Yeah, some big warehouses and production companies. Uh, I thought it was just South Australia. But anyway. Um fuck, fuck you, Dream. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you fail an XCOM tonight. Hope your whole I team gets not, wiped. Don't. Yeah, well, I'm mate, you'll be, be there. you'll be the first one down on the squad there, Brendan. Don't worry. I'm I'll make sure dead. it's fucking brutal. I've made peace <laughs> that I'm already dead in there. Um, <laughs> Mortal, Mortal Kombat reboot. I don't know. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't. I don't really remember too much of the first Mortal Kombat film. I have seen it fairly recently. Um. Yeah, I just it was equal I, I don't parts know. Those films, fantastic those films, and terrible. Yeah, yeah I'd those say films that, um that's a have movie. a special kind of place in in cinematic history, don't they? Where it's kind of like this weird time where it's anything's possible with technology and film, but when you look back on it, you realize how like bad it ages. Nah, that scorpion fight scene still badass. In hell, <laughs> and then through the bloody hell, like yeah. bamboo tree line. Mm-hmm. Have they cast this film yet? No, they confirmed. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was in the was it the train, train to Busan. He's oh. cast as Sub Zero, that lead guy. He's cast as Sub Zero, but outside of that, they haven't announced anything else. So, oh, speaking of Mortal Kombat, they actually released the picture for um, Sindel for the game, and I'm not happy. I just wanted to throw uh, that out there. So, 
not happy. God damn it, Ed Boon. Yeah, get it right. You know what? who are happy though? Who? Mobile game developers because in Q2 of 2019, 11.2 billion games were downloaded. And this comes via way of Rebecca Valentine at gamesindustry.biz. So according to App Annie's Q2 2019 app index report, games accounted for 35% of all global downloads for mobile apps last quarter, but accounted for 75% of total customer spend. That includes both Google Play and the App Store. And between the two, Google Play continued to see far more downloads with game downloads up 265% over the App Store. So mobile gaming, Snap Gaming... Gaming in general, it is running wild around here. We we can't sort of take full responsibility and, and claim that we are part of this core success. Uh, mm. Seeing seeing this jump uh, up to 11.2 billion games in Q2, but I think Snap Gaming, you know, that the Hungry Gamers Snap Gaming revolution is certainly at the forefront of this. So uh, you know, kudos to us. But my goodness, that is a lot of game downloads. It is a lot of game downloads. Um, I'm wondering how many of those are like. You know, there's really shitty ones. Like, there's really, really <laughs> shitty, like, <laughs> puzzle ones. That, like, like, which ones? Which ones, Ali? I don't know. Uh, yeah. What's it What's Those it 99 Candy? cent games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, those, yeah, those other kind of cheap ones. There's, uh, you know what? I got an ad for a game that was called, like, Interior Designer. And it seems like all you did was just click on furniture and they decided where it went. So I'm like, who's yeah. downloading these games? Because there's not much to them. Maybe the intern. Hmm. It's intern interior designer. Yeah, you maybe. get to pick the colors and then the, the head positions that nice furniture and faux deer skull. Hmm. But not to put down mobile games. Like I spend probably a good time um, on Animal Crossing um, Pocket Camp, like a good amount of time. Like I'm addicted to that shit now. So like my camp is bustling but um i also played um that scribble notes game on my phone as well yeah, so that's cool and doc dr mario dropped this week too and it yeah. was uh, straight to the top of the charts yeah dude what was that dr mario on the phone yeah mm, straight really? to the top didn't know that yeah but uh yeah we talk about mobile gaming pretty pretty regularly on here and you can just see it is going from strength to strength to strength uh, especially with the more power they can put into a smartphone i'm glad we helped turn it around yeah. The snap Hashtag gaming revolution. Yep. <laughs> it's all us. All right. And the last bit of news for this week Facebook reportedly after Ubisoft IP and other AAA franchises for Oculus exclusives. This also comes via way of Rebecca Valentine at gamesindustry.biz. Though VR's still growing slowly, one criticism is that it still lacks exclusive entries from popular AAA franchises to draw crowds. This may change soon if Facebook gets its way. The information reported that Facebook is currently after both game studio acquisitions for Oculus development as well as IP rights to make VR games in popular franchises. Two IPs that sources say are already signed on for are Assassin's Creed and Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, both from Ubisoft. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg was reportedly involved with the deal, though VP of Special Gaming Initiatives Jason Rubin is in charge of the push for acquisitions and content as a whole. Ruben was promoted in December from his previous role as Oculus Head of Content. And uh, a little closing line, Facebook launched its new untethered Oculus Quest headset at the end of May this year. And in its first two weeks, it moved over $5 million in software sales. I think I accounted for a good portion of that uh, because the games are very expensive for the Quest. So fuck you, Mark Zuckerberg. 
but also thank you for this fantastic headset. So what do you guys think of this? I'm terrified about anything that has to do with Facebook anymore. And the fact that they want to do something where you put like a mask over your eyes just terrifies oh, me. What, why? Why, why would you be so terrified? Ali, it's only Facebook. They're there for you. Ali, they know you better than you know yourself. According to my Facebook, I'm Nicolas Cage. But anyway, <laughs> it just terrifies me that they're going to like steal your identity through your eyeballs. Who knows what's possible? Um, I don't want Facebook in my gaming at all. Like, mm-mm. well, it's yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It's unav- It's not unavoidable. You don't have to get an Oculus Quest, but I think that they'll be a pretty big player going forward unless they get split up and have to divest assets which it doesn't look like that'll ever happen ever mm. yeah what do i think of this i think this is a good i think this is a good move it's like it's a pretty fair criticism to level against vr in general i think that there aren't too many titles that draw you towards it most mm. of the games that i've played although it's been some time most of them feel like tech demos at best yeah and I imagine it's because it would be just incredibly challenging to make a standalone VR game that is RPG length, 40 hours, 50 hours, that has um, a really fun thread that ties the whole thing together, something that makes you want to just keep going back and playing it again and again. It must, I, like, it must just take fucking forever. That's really it and costs a lot of money, no doubt. And who has both of those things? Facebook. Facebook has time, resources, and money. And so, um, you know, not bad, not bad. Yeah, Pay outside for these of soft studios, get it done. Outside of like Resident Evil Seven, Skyrim, and then a couple of other sort of more double A experiences. Yeah, Doom yeah. VR. There isn't really Fallout like VR. there's an appetite for it, as you said, Dream. There is a hunger for those triple A franchises on here because. For the vast majority, it is tech demos. It is quote unquote experiences, you know, walking simulators and and sort of that high fidelity virtual reality viewing where you're sitting there and, and taking a world in as opposed to playing through that world. So I'm hoping mm. we see more of that because things like Resident Evil 7 prove that it has a place and it can be successful and it can add value to this technology. So I'm hoping we see more of it because... I've, I've purchased a lot of games on VR, whether it be on my PSVR or now my Oculus Quest, and there is quite a chasm between a Resident Evil 7 and Johnny Rando tries to make a horror movie where, in a video game, sorry, where the graphics are changed, the controls aren't as smooth. You can see the budget's 10 cents to 10 million. Like, it stands Ooh. out like VR dog balls. And, um, yeah, it's it's it sucks because it's it's an expensive sort of bit of kit to to adopt and then the games for the most part aren't as cheap as you'd want them to be so it is a hell of an investment to try and commit to this virtual reality space as it stands today and mm. there's just a such a, a leap between the AAA and everything else in between it feels like so i'm hoping i'm hoping yeah as as we sort of alluded to ali did with facebook being the big bad that is a little bit scary that they own uh, Oculus and all this and our, our identities and everything else and, and that whole big brother paranoia that comes with Facebook. But I'm hoping because it is such a big company, they're going to be able to invest and take this technology to that next step. 
Don't get me wrong. Like, I definitely believe that, like, VR deserves the investment. And, um, you know, I'm sure all of us want to experience one specific game in a VR, you know, headset and be completely immersed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I'm not a fan of uh, old mate Zuckerberg and I'm um, getting his dirty fingers into the hey, gaming. Hey, Brendan. Oh. Hey, Brendan. Hey, what? You know what there's a lot of on VR? Porn? What? Have you tried VR porn, Brendan? I have not yet still. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> have I you haven't. seen have you seen videos of those like examples on like show floors at like anime cons and everything like that and people are like humping plastic things? That is fucking what? Yeah. <laughs> what oh, did yeah. you tell me right now, Ali? Like it's like people are in conventions, convention floors. And they are like literally like laying down on the ground with a VR headset on and they're humping plastic <laughs> objects to simulate a body. Have you seen... Google um, it, friends. Google it. Have you seen uh, Michael Bolton's Sexy Valentine special? Have I? No. I feel like I should have. There's a great scene in there where, um, fuck, what's his name? He's like in Archer. He plays the, he's the voice of the guy, um, the dad in um, Rick and Morty. I forget his name. But he does oh. a he does a skit in there where he's like doing VR virtual reality dating, and it ends up with him just sort of like air humping while he's got the VR headset <laughs> on. It looks like the most pathetic thing ever. That's what I just thought of, Brendan. Um, all right, man, get the scoop. Do some VR porn next week. Report back. I'll see what I can do. It's going to be awkward yeah. trying to uh, do this out of out of view of of Rach and, and no, it's all right. She went suspicion. Know. She went. See what I can do. We won't tell her. <laughs> It'll anyway, just be you, me, Ali, in the world. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Nice, nice, and sort of uh, never close shot, very secretive. No yeah. one's ever going to hear about that. So uh, that has been the news this week, and uh, we'll see if I if I report back for VR at porn experiences next week. Uh, if you never hear from me again after that, Rach caught me and castrated me, but uh, I've had a good run. So uh, thirty-two years. That's uh, that's a good innings. But uh, is there anything you guys want to say before we close this bad boy down for another week? Yeah, there is. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Dylan Mai, who, um, so I have a new Instagram, which I'll plug in a sec, but Dylan uh, like followed me straight away and was like, ah, oh, man, love the show. You guys are great. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Just said some really like really sweet, nice things. And that doesn't, um, I don't know. That never like happens to me all that much. I keep my socials. Historically, I've kept my social medias pretty pretty to myself i've been pretty quiet on them um and so to have like dylan reach out and just like give us that that little bit of love was i don't know it was really special it was really sweet it was a nice way to kick off a tuesday morning um so thank you really appreciate that and i hope you enjoy it and keep listening what about you miss hart I was just like laughing because what was the first thing you did on your story was it just like you looking really disheveled and sleeping (laughs) Was, I was I was hungover. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I was hungover, and I and I recognized that my hair made it look like I have cat ears. So I was like, this this seems like something put on social media. Kajit. enjoy people. <laughs> um, I just wanted to mention that um, there's a sign up for um Minecraft Earth, which is like the AR kind of thing that they've introduced. I think they kind of demoed it. Um, 2014 or 15? It was a long time ago. 2015 was when they did that at E3. Oh, well, and then they just, they showed it again at the uh, Apple event, the recent Apple event, where ah. they showed up all the phones and everything like that. So, um, yeah, just look into it. 
Minecraft Earth. Can and I piggyback it. off the back of that really quickly? Minecraft Story Mode is on Netflix. It's been on there for a while. I didn't know <clears> that. <throat> Fucking, I, yeah. I didn't know that. I only found that out lately, like recently. So that's what Telltale have done now. They just sold everything to Netflix. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not a bad watch either. Uh, we we did it. Obviously, it's choose your own adventure style, which is pretty mm. cool, and it, it plays oh. out pretty well. Interesting. I've got to look at that now. Mm. Yeah. But this has been episode 159 of the Hungry Gamers podcast. Be sure to uh, check the podcast feed in a few days' time as well for episode 159.5, fun size episode number two. But uh, be sure to rate, review, subscribe us on all those podcast hosting platforms. Follow us as a collective at We Are 8 Bit. Check out our YouTube, youtube.com forward slash We Are 8 Bit. Check out our web store, We Are 8 Bit.storeenvy.com. And also follow Dream at Salim TD, Miss Ellie Hart at Miss Ellie Hart, and myself at Brendan 8 Bit. But until next week, Epic Nation, we're coming back at you for episode 160. Much love. Stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Thank you.